Greetings, you are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and also syndicating for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and what follows on this particular instalment of the show is a conversation between myself and Travis Trinad from the outfit The Black Dahlia Murder. The reason for the conversation is to promote Black Dahlia Murder's upcoming tour of Australia with a boarded and a band whose name on the flyer I can not read at all, so apologies for that, but there are three bands on the bill, I believe. I'll read out some dates. All in September. On the 21st, they're in Perth. On the 22nd, they're in Adelaide. On the 23rd, they're in Melbourne. On the 24th, Hobart. On the 25th, Newcastle. The 26th, Canberra. The 27th, Sydney. And finally, on the 28th, they're in Brisbane at Crowbar. So let's have a listen to what Trevor has to say. Here we go. How's been going for you, mate? You must be looking forward to this tour down here. You've got a lot of fans down here. I'm sure you're aware, you are aware of that. Uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it immensely. Um, we've had a great time out there so far. Uh, this will be really cool to be out there with Aborted. Um, you know, they're old friends of ours. And uh, yeah, man, I'm li- immensely looking forward to it. Uh, it's been a busy, uh, s- busy season for us. I can imagine, mate. And I had a good chat to swim, actually, from Aborted. So it's a heck of a double bill. Who organises these things? Is this Dicey and Soundworks that reach out to you and says, hey, look, I'm looking at pulling you guys together and doing a, I think you're doing six or seven shows down here. So how did the partnership with Sweden and Aborted come about? Uh, yeah, it was definitely um, a Soundworks uh, idea. And, you know, we've been dealing with them for a long time. They're, we consider them really good friends. So, you know, this is just going to be like a family affair with Aborted, you know, hanging out with them every day and being on the planes with them and stuff. So should be cool. Yeah. So Nightbringers, I take it that a lot of your, well, actually, I wouldn't say that, but that's your most recent album. Has that done mm-hmm. for you Wanted what you wanted to do for you? Because I noticed that it's, it's, it's the highest charting album or second highest charting album for you in the US and the highest charting album for you in Germany, I think. Uh, yeah, man, it's it's actually exceeded our expectations, you know, and uh, I think we're at, you know, just still riding the wave of excitement, uh, just, uh, you know, trying to take every opportunity to tour that we can, that this is, you know, made possible. And uh, I think, you know, we're going to end up touring on this a little bit longer than we normally would. You know, I think that we'll still see an album coming out next year, but not quite as early as as normal for us. Yeah, okay. What's the, what's the songwriting process like with you guys? Is it a, a fairly typical scenario where someone does a lot of the work at home on a door and then sends it out via the cloud to the rest of the band members? Or can you talk me through how you guys write music? Uh, yeah, it's definitely um, individual like that now. I mean, we have we don't really practice together like a normal band anymore. Hmm. We'll have a, f- a few practices. You know, we'll meet up before we go on a tour for a couple of days, but... Uh, Typically, man, it's all just homework, you know, so, um, yeah, it'll be either guitar player will write uh, a song or a piece of a song and send it to us, you know, and we'll all kind of like have our two cents about it or whatever. And uh, by the time that I'm writing lyrics on it, I mean, it sounds great. It has like programmed drums that sound pretty realistic. It has bass. It has both guitars. So, you know, it's it's starting with a pretty high quality product compared to like the shitty boombox recordings we did back in the day on the mm. in the early records, you know what I mean? And uh you know, I, it, there's something to be said though. Like I kind of miss that group aspect of of writing, you know, when we were all together. 
But at the same time, that got kind of messy, too. You know, you have the whole band together sitting in one room and you're just like, hey, everybody, let's make a new song. And, mm. you know, it's just not it's not that easy with five different opinions going on, you know. Yeah, no, I understand. And you've had quite a partnership with Brian over the years, haven't you? So you've been in forces now. If you've been keeping count, mate, it's it's I wouldn't say it's almost 20 years, but it's certainly well over 15 years. But did you... Yeah, it's getting there, man. It's getting there. <laughs> did you think you'd be playing this brutal music? And you've, you've made a career out of it, it needs to be said, so congratulations on that. But did you think you'd be making this brutal music well into your 30s like you have been? Uh, no, I mean, I could have only dreamt such a thing, really. Uh, all I wanted to do was get one record out, you know, on a, on a decent label and just, like, be like, cool, I did it. I put out an album, you know, that people can can listen to and get reviewed or whatever, you know. And hmm. it's gone so far beyond that, man. This thing has just snowballed, uh, you know, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, man. It's like a slow climb, and we've been very lucky. And, you know, eight albums in, man, I would have never guessed this, you know. Never, ever. And the other partnership that you've had for about as long there is uh, with Brian and uh, Metal Blade. So tell us about that. Is, it, is that a partnership that you think will continue to foster great death metal and heavy music well into the future for you? Uh, yeah, man, I, I, I can't personally see us going anywhere else. I mean, we've re-signed with them now a couple different times. And um, they've just always put so much energy into our band. You know, uh, since day one, I think Slagle saw something special in the band. And um, I think he took a liking to me and Brian, you know. Uh, mm. uh, I think he saw himself a bit in me kind of being like a, a a total nerd for music and, you know, trying to know every band. And, uh, you know, just um, so I think we, we kind of connected on that level. And he, he saw how hungry we were to get out there and tour. And, you know, we've just been we've, – we've made good on our promise, man. We've been going hard ever since, you know. Mm. What do you what do you like about the current heavy metal scene? I just call everything heavy metal these days, so bear with me when I say that. I know there's a million subgenres these days, but do you think we're in a in a healthy space? Uh, I do. You know, I think that um, you know the music industry. You can say what you want about it. Um, you know, it's it's definitely in a shift right now. But I think that there are the underground itself is in a, is in an awesome place. You know, I think there's tons of mm. bands uh, from all walks, you know, from extreme on down of metal. Um, you know, I think that, uh, we've been very fortunate to be in a kind of upswing for death metal. You know what I mean? Uh, mm. mm -hmm. is, you, you look at like, um, cannibal corpse and what they had gone through, you know, before we'd come around and, um, you know, metal's popularity rises and falls in the States here, you know, Every every few years, it seems like. But, uh, it, you know, we've been kind of riding this upswing, I think, you know. Mm. And, um, yeah, we've just been very fortunate, man. You know, like at the end of the at the end of the 2000s, I think death metal had a, a kind of rough time and a, a somewhat of a dip in popularity. But uh, it's definitely come back in such a big way. You know, I think it's it's everywhere. It's the music of the youth. And, mm. uh, you know, now uh, I think it kind of um, it also kind of reflects the turbulence of the times. You know, there's a. Uh, um, a lot of uh, turbulence with with Trump being in, in office here, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I think that that's, you know, it definitely has people reaching for that, that kind of music. You know, I think it's a it's a cathartic and healthy release for people, you know. I think Jamie Jaster's alluded to that a few times, actually, when uh, Reagan was in power, of course, metal enjoyed a bit of a high watermark. And now that Trump's back in, the same thing's happening. But look, I'm also old enough because I'm in my 40s to remember when heavy metal uh, like in the late 90s, after Metallica released Load, uh, you, you, it was a dirty word. 
you couldn't even go into, I suppose, what's the re- Sam Goodies? Is that the records chain that used to be in the States? Okay. Right, yeah, yeah, that's right. You, you couldn't walk into it and buy a heavy metal album except for some Metallica albums or Megadeth albums or what have you. But I think after the turn of the millennium with yourselves, uh, Job for a Cowboy and a whole host of European artists coming back out, it, it sort of enjoyed a second coming or a second win. So do you, do you feel... As though you're a part of that, if you look over the history of death metal, when you look at the the so the high water mark that was achieved with Deicide, Obituary, Cannibal Corpse, and of course the Great Morbid Angel, but do you see yourselves as part of a uh, a second wave, if you like, of popularity? Uh, yeah, man, I'd like to to, to see us as that, you know. Um... And, I mean, there's all kinds of different categories people lump us into, you know what I mean? You could say that we're part of uh, the new wave of American heavy metal that kind of came out at that, that early 2000s time, you know, Lamb of God yeah. and uh, mm. On Earth. And, you know, um, you know, there's been all kinds of categories we've been lumped in, you know. But I've always seen the band as a death metal band. So, you know, I, I'd like to think that we're um, on that second wave of popularity, you know, since the 90s. It's, uh, it's, it's cool. It's really cool. I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of young bands that have um, contributed to this whole thing, you know, Job for a Cowboy definitely is another big one. Hmm. Um, that they, they've kind of um, fizzled out by now, sadly. But um, yeah, they were awesome as hell, man. But yeah, um, yeah. So you, you, okay? So we mentioned Job for a Cowboy, okay? They they were a part of that that other wave and it fizzled out to your point. But you guys have survived. So what do you put that that survival down to? I know, I know that you, you're very committed. You're, you're articulate and you're no doubt very professional in your business dealings, but a lot can bloody go wrong nonetheless. So what do you put down – what do you put your success otherwise down to? I think it's a lot of things, man. It's it's um, kind of the oddball uh, personality of the band, I think. Um, you know, me with big glasses and uh, – especially when we came out and I had short hair and just looked like a serial killer pretty much. <laughs> you know, I think that that just spoke to people, you know, just seeing somebody like – like it was blue collar, you know what I mean? Just uh, regular dudes in our regular clothes playing metal. And, you know, and the big four was kind of our influence for that kind of style. You know what I mean? You're not like dressing up in something to go on stage, you know, you just wear your, your clothes. And, and you know, they were always um, wearing – they weren't ashamed to like punk. And then, you know, we come from a punk background too. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just think we've been crossing a lot of lines, you know. Uh, I think people wanted to kind of put us in a box, but we just crossed so many lines. And uh, I think that we appeal to a lot of different walks of the underground because of it. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, out at a Dahlia show, I see so many different kinds of people out in the crowd. You know, long hair, leather clad dudes from the more old school walk to punk rock kids, deathcore fans, you know, hardcore kids, metalcore, just everything in between, man. And they'll all uh, they'll all get in a fight with each other about what genre we are, you know what I mean? But uh, mm. I, I think this 20-year genre fight has kind of kept us alive and kept us going, you know what I mean? It's good to be all things to all people, really, isn't it? People don't like that. But uh, I think you've managed to do that in your own way and, and forge your, your own lane. So that'll be a good question for you. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think in a way that has kind of helped us transcend this uh, glass ceiling of death metal that we like imagined for ourselves long ago. You know what I mean? Mm. And we've just been able to break boundaries and do a lot of things that um, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I just see us as a kind of misfit band. So, you know, it's like we don't belong anywhere, but maybe we belong everywhere. You know what I mean? Who knows? Mm. So just talking about then the show that you're bringing down to Australia, do you have to keep in mind that you've got so many different fans from 
different heavy metal walks of life, so to speak, and, and put on a show that, that represents all eras or episodes of the band's career? Or do you guys just do whatever the hell you like? And if people like it, they like it. Um, it's a little bit more from column B, I guess. But, um, you know, we try to represent um, everything we've done. You know, we'll always be playing old songs. And we realize, you know, what songs people consider to be classics, you know, and we try to play to that a little bit. But, you know, we're always putting in a lot of new stuff, too, lately in the, in the last few years. You know, there's something really satisfying about playing new material, you know, and it's kind of like a, mm. a sadomasochistic thing. You know, I feel like we get more technical and the music gets more difficult with every record. But then somehow playing that live and, and achieving it is like more satisfying. You know what I mean? So mm. it's like, it, you know, but uh, I mean, we play for an hour and 20 minutes now. That's a ton of three minute songs. Mm. So even time, if, you know, yeah. yeah, even if we did cram the entire new record in there, that's only about 31 minutes. You know what I mean? So that leaves lots of room to touch on all different eras and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But um, honestly, we don't know enough as many of the old songs as I wish we did. Uh, I mean, there's just yep. like having um, different members come in, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Or it seems like we were always kind of like having crunch time to get everybody caught up on a, on a set list. You know what I mean? So there's certain albums that people weren't around for, or um, you know what I mean? There's songs that we haven't even played live period that, you know, we just recorded on the record that, um, you know, that there's some from them from uh, the last record even and uh, never black, mm. uh, this album, we have been playing the entire thing. Okay. But, um, you know, it's kind of sad to see some songs get shelved, you know, but now we have so many songs to pick from and people have their favorites, man. You know, it, it, it gets complicated, you know. Yeah, I can understand that. And, and I was talking to Frost from Satyricon and he mentioned that when they play some of the older stuff from uh, Nemesis Divina back, they get blank looks from the crowd, which astounds me because, as I say, because of my age, that's my era, that, that 90s. Oh, era yeah, me too. Savina. Oh, dude. It, it's that song where he pulls out the sword, dude. Yeah. That's the best. First well, song, pulls out the sword in the song. So yeah. hard. <laughs> well, he's saying that some of the, and I assume it's younger people in the audience, I could be wrong, but I think that's what he was alluding to. When they play some of this older material, they get blank stares. And do you, would your first material, so Unhallowed, and even before that were some of the demos and EPs, you know, what a horrible night to have a curse, uh -huh. that sort of thing. If you're going to pull out that sort of material, you'd have to think that there'd be some 17 and 18-year-olds in the crowd that'd be thinking, great, what's this new song? Oh, for sure, dude, especially if we touched on the demo, you know, because we've always been trying to kind of bury that one in the past, you know. it's yeah. a, We were in kind of a different form as a band then, you know what I mean? It's not a not our proudest moment, I would say, but... um. Yeah, if, if we busted out some of those songs, I think the entire crowd pretty much, except for maybe one person, would be like, oh, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? So I've seen it go both ways. You know, sometimes we play old stuff and people scratch their heads. And then sometimes we play new stuff and they scratch their heads. You know, it, it seems to take people like two years to catch up to the last album that you put out. Kind you're of, spot you know? on. Yeah, like, you bang like on. We're kind of like operating too fast. You know what I mean? Like uh, by the time, you know, you're caught onto one record, the next one is out. So it's like um, it's interesting. You know, it, it, it's kind of like a weird sociology in some way, you know, just kind of seeing what they react to. And, um, you know, it's it's definitely an experiment. <laughs> mm. All right, mate, I better let you go. I know you've got another 
three hours of these conversations. Oh, yeah, up, baby. So. <laughs> I got the, the marathon, dude. <laughs> well, I hope we treat you well, mate, because as I said at the beginning of the conversation, a lot of people are looking forward to you coming down. So congratulations on an outstanding career and also for the way that you've carried yourself through your career too. I've admired that and uh, good luck on the Australian tour. Ah, dude, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for so many kind words, and uh, hopefully we can uh, have a beer out there. Oh, it'd be nice, mate. Believe me. Like I mentioned earlier, with kids, mate, I barely ever get to go out, but your one show I'd love to catch up and watch, that's for sure. So hopefully I'll get to do that. Right on, man. Uh, Good luck with the little ones, dude. (laughs) Thanks, brother. No worries. All the best. Take care. Thanks, mate. Bye. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast and also syndicating for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was a chat between myself and Trevor Stranad from the outfit Black Dahlia Murder. Thanks so much for listening.